This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight to win it. For our families, for our communities, for our workplaces, and for our lives. But it's February 2nd. Got a lot of news going on tonight. Hopefully, uh, I just hit record, so the people on the podcast, uh, when it, you know, this is from the border of Liberty and Prosperity and the Highway to the North. It's February 2nd, and this is Safety Wars. A lot of war news going on there, and a lot of, uh, we're going to be going through uh, the president's uh, press release on COVID yesterday, and the announcements uh, yesterday on COVID. So, where is it? And of course, I take it down off my list here. Hold on, everybody. This is live radio. This is what you get sometimes. Okay, let's reopen this. Sorry, everybody. I wish I could say this never happens, but this happens. So yesterday, uh, January, or this was actually the day before yesterday, January 30th, the Statement of Administration Policy. So, uh, here you go. This is from the Office of the President. And I'll just read the announcement, and then we're going to have a, uh, we're going to have a, uh, Thing that we're doing now, right? Uh, in relation to this. Anyway, here it is. The COVID-19 National Emergency and Public Health Emergency, PHE, were declared by the Trump administration in 2020. They are currently set to expire on March 1st and April 11th, respectively. At present, at present, uh, present the administration's plan Uh, is to extend the emergency declarations to May 11th and then end both emergencies on that date. This wind-down would align with the administration's previous comments to give at least 60 days' notice prior to the termination of the PHE, Public Health Emergency. To be clear, continuation of these emergency declarations until May 11th does not impose any restriction at all on individual conduct with regard to COVID-19. They do not impose mask mandates or vaccine mandates. They do not restrict school or business operations. They do not require the use of any medicines or tests in response to to cases of COVID-19. However, ending these emergency declarations in the manner uh, contemplated by H.R. 382 H.J. Resolution 7, would have two highly significant impacts on our nation's health system and government operations. First, an abrupt end to emergency declarations will create wide-ranging chaos and uncertainty throughout the healthcare system. For states, for hospitals and doctor's offices, and most importantly, for tens of millions of Americans. During the PHE, the Medicaid program has operated under special rules. Now we're getting into the crux of the situation. 
During the PHE, the Medicaid program has operated under special rules to provide extra funding to states to ensure that tens of millions of vulnerable Americans kept their Medicaid coverage during a global pandemic. In December, uh, Congress enacted an orderly wind-down of these rules to ensure that patients do not lose access to care unpredictably and that state budgets don't face a radical cliff. If the PHE were suddenly terminated, it would sow confusion and chaos into this critical wind-down. Due to this uncertainty, tens of millions of Americans would be at risk of abruptly losing their health insurance, and states could be at risk of losing billions of dollars in funding. It's always about the money, folks. Always about the money. Additionally, hospitals and nursing homes that have relied on flexibilities enabled by the emergency declarations will be plunged into chaos without adequate time to retrain staff and establish new billing processes. Always about the money, folks. Likely leading to disruptions in in care right, and payment delays. And many facilities around the country will experience revenue losses. Finally, millions of patients, including many of our nation's veterans, rely on telehealth would suddenly be unable to access critical clinical health services and medications. Most acutely impacted individuals would be individuals with behavioral health needs and rural patients. Second, the end of the public health emergency will end the Title 42 policy at the border. While the administration has attempted to terminate the Title 42 policy and continues to support and orderly lifting those restrictions, Title 42 remains in place because of orders issued by the Supreme Court and a district court in Louisiana. Enactment of H.R. 382 would lift the Title 42 immediately and result in a substantial additional inflow of migrants at the southwest border. The number of migrants crossing the border has been cut in half approximately since the administration's the administration put in place a plan in early January to deter illegal uh, migra- irre- deter irregular, it's not illegal, I'm sorry, irregular migration from Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua, and Haiti. The administration supports an orderly predictable wind-down of Title 42, and it goes on and on with some filler stuff. And uh, anyway, that's what's going on. So what we are going to do here is a Safety Wars exclusive. We're going to have countdown to the wind down of the national emergency for COVID. We are at 98 days. Until the national emergency, a public health emergency, wind down. So I guess that means COVID is over for all intents and purposes. I think it's been over for everybody, but it's the official end of the COVID stuff on May 11th and the government's policy. So I'm going to uh, probably make a promo with that. Now, uh, we're going to take a slight break here. We're taking our break early, but uh, I need to set something up. 
In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Don't be confused, get informed here on Safety Wars. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. Or I can say, don't get manipulated to get informed. And that's what we're all about here is to teach people not to be manipulated. And believe me, there's a lot of manipulation out there. This one hits close to home uh, to me. Uh, I ran for political office in Cer- and Serville at the time was part of the uh, Serville, New Jersey was part of that area I ran for office in. So I'm going to issue some comment here because this, uh, and I have to say rest in peace, but I have to issue some comment here. And I don't think anyone else here is going to mention this, uh, here meaning on the air, right? I mean, and it's already in, uh, the Google search engines uh, where I looked up several articles here and I'll tell you at the end of the article what they left out most of these articles New Jersey councilwoman shot and killed in possible targeted attack outside her home uh, let's just call it an assassination right right here in New Jersey right uh, literally uh, where I grew up I grew up in Woodbridge Saraville is uh, approximately four or five miles south of Woodbridge. I ran for office, went door to door there several times in my political career. A New Jersey councilwoman, the mother of a young daughter and leader of her church, was shot and killed in a possible attack outside her home, an incident officials are calling shocking and senseless. Eunice Drum Drum Four was the first sitting elected official in recent memory who had been shot and killed in, in office in the state of New Jersey, Governor Phil Murphy told reporters Thursday. Middlesex County Prosecutor Yolanda Sicone told ABC News the councilwoman's political position does not yet appear to have played a role in the homicide. I am stunned by the news of several councilmen Eunice Stumford's murder last evening in an act of gun violence, Murphy said. Her career of public service was just beginning, and by all accounts, she had already built a reputation as a committed member of the borough council who took her responsibility with the utmost diligence and seriousness. Drum 4 was inside her white SUV when she was shot Wednesday night, officials said she sustained multiple gunshot wounds and pronounced dead at the scene. 
going on through the whole article, all right, and, and this is how subtle, okay, we're going to go into the swamp a little bit here. So hold on, I haven't played the swamp, right? We're going to go into the swamp a little bit here. This is how subtle manipulation happens here in the news. Any guess what her political affiliation is? It's not mentioned in this article from abcnewsgo.com. It's not mentioned, and I'm not picking on abcnewsgo.com specifically. I could, li- could have listed 10 articles here on the internet that never mentioned the woman's political party. It was Republican, by the way. All right. Today in the news, 5 o'clock news, there is some, a lot of stuff going on in Congress with some committee assignments that were not, uh, where people were removed from committees. Uh, some, regardless of what your opinion was, the fact was that uh, uh, there were, one of them was a woman of color and uh, was from a uh, minority religion in this country, at least, but it's one of the uh, lar- largest world religions. They were, uh, there was a lot of screaming, crying, and gnashing of teeth. Eunice Drumfor was a woman of color. All right. A Republican. And it was not mentioned in the news coverage. Any of the news coverage I've heard here or I've read on the internet from varied sources like I always do. Right? It was sandwiched in one article. Right? And... This is manipulation here. All right. Political assassination is wrong. It's going to lead to really bad things. However, uh, we don't need to contribute to adding to bad things by leaving out some, now making a big deal over some committee assignments that weren't assigned versus an assassination. This assassination should have been the top story on all the news tonight. And it was in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, Just realize, you know, there's more to the story usually uh, than what we're seeing. And I know there's more to it than what I'm probably mentioning here on this. And I wanted to wish everybody uh, from the council uh, in the councilwoman's family, friends, uh, my deepest condolences and uh, I hope uh, somebody will be uh, could carry on whatever uh, she was trying to do there. Here's another one. The U.S. military has been monitoring a suspected Chinese surveillance balloon that has been hovering over the United, northern United States for the past few days, and military and defense leaders have discussed shooting it out of the sky. United States government has detected and is tracking high-altitude surveillance balloon that is over the continental United States right now. We continue to track and monitor it closely. Once the balloon was detected, the U.S. government acted immediately to protect against the collection of sensitive information. It was spotted over Billings, Montana on Wednesday. It flew over the Aleutian Islands through Canada and into Montana. 
A senior defense official said the balloon is still over the U.S., but they declined to say where it is now. I'm sure that uh, there's some late-night radio shows that will go into where it is. The official said there was a window while the balloon was over Montana Wednesday when they could have taken it down. NORAD sent aircraft uh, and uh, airborne early warning aircraft known as AWACS, which, by the way, uh, I see flying up the Hudson River about once a month. But the official would not say whether one of the options was ever done, right? And uh, basically, the United States said, hey, uh, uh, they're confident the balloon vault belongs to China. And they have communicated to the Chinese government through multiple channels, uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, it's out there. I'm sure it's not the first one. War news. Reportedly, there is a massive assault being prepared by uh, Vladimir Putin in Russia with 500,000 men on two fronts. And it's, uh, the Ukrainians believe it's going to happen later this month, probably the 24th. That's the one anniversary, uh, first anniversary of the invasion. Well, that's, you know, escalation here. And Putin evokes Stalingrad because it's the st- anniversary of the surrender of the Nazi fifth, I'm sorry, Nazi sixth army uh, in the Battle of Stalingrad, which is was uh, the uh, which was the uh, largest battle and live uh, as far as lives lost in uh, the history of humanity. Over 1 million casualties on the Soviet Red Army side, something like 180,000 on the German side, on the uh, Nazi side. And... Anyway, uh, that's what's going on there. Uh, President evoked the spirit of the Soviet Army that defeated Nazi Germany 80 years ago uh, to declare on Thursday that Russia would defeat the Ukraine supposedly in the grip of a new incarnation of Nazism. What I did not realize, uh, there was a map that I came across last night uh, by accident that uh, a lot of German, ethnic uh, Germans live in Ukraine. I have always heard that, but apparently there's a lot of uh, historically a lot of ethnic germans there and that's probably what's fueling some of this uh, again american education system does not go into this stuff uh probably need to get imaging salva back on the program to talk about what her mother and my mother went through in uh the uh soviet concentration camps during world war ii I lost a dozen people uh, in my family, and my uh, mother lived through it. A lot of stuff doesn't get hit the news here or the educational system. Russia has launched a broad diplomatic blitz to counter its image as a pariah state in the run-up to the anniversary of its invasion of Ukraine, which which severed Moscow's ties with the West and even alarmed some of the Kremlin's traditional allies. In the past week, Vladimir Putin phoned Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman 
to coordinate goals for Wednesday's OPEC Plus meeting of oil producers, showing it's still a major player in all major markets. The government also said it's expecting a visit by Chinese President Xi Jinping this year. Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov met with counterparts from Egypt and Pakistan after returning from a diplomatic trip across uh, crossing Asia. Oh, and... Next, sir, Ukraine is now strapping RPGs to racing drones to bomb invading Russians. Ukraine is strapping rocket-propelled grenades to cheap racing drones and using them to attack the Russian front lines. It's an effective method of gathering intel, destroying expensive equipment, and controlling the battlefield that represents a fundamental shift on how wars are fought. In the last few weeks, photos of makeshift loitering munitions have circulated on Russian and Ukrainian telegram channels. Footage pulled from the drones show that the attacks show the attacks has landed on Reddit. The so-called FVP drones. Hold on one second. I got the computer doing some weird things here. Okay. Uh, the FPV drones are typically used by hobbyists for drone races. The idea is that the user straps on a pair of goggles to their face that's connected to a camera on the drone. The controller then has a first-person view from the drone. So they're more or less like guided missiles, right? Instead of the old-fashioned kamikaze from Japan World War II, we have drones. Here's something that a lot of weather uh, folks are talking about here. Betting on weather uh, takes off. When it comes to the weather, all bets are off. Or are they? This is from Fox 5 New York. Uh, It's one of those things where the house always wins, says John Holden of Oklahoma University. Weather betting is becoming a thing and betters are doubling down. I guess, guess what? If you're involved in the construction industry or outside work, you're always betting on the weather, right? Except it's not with money necessarily. People will place a bet on will we have rainfall or how much snow will a certain place get and, that, and when, what will be the first day of snowfall. It became uh, popular during the pandemic. When the pandemic when the pandemic hit and sports shut down in March, most people will remember the NCAA tournament was canceled, and within a day, virtually everything shut down. There was nothing to bet on. The sports world naturally shut down, and sports books were looking for something to attract customers. One of the popular things that emerged was betting on Russian table tennis. Another one was betting on weather. The issue is this. In the United States, weather betting is not regulated. However, it is allowed in places like Canada where sports books are taking bets on weather. Right? Anyway, that's uh, what's going on with that. Interesting. I think we're betting on climate change issues also. A lot of betting going on there on weather. It's not exactly a weird thing. 
The coldest wind chills in decades will thrash New England, and I get to experience it tomorrow. Eight deaths are related are linked to the ice storm in the south. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Dangerous wind chills as cold as 50 degrees Fahrenheit below zero are set to blast the northeast as the number of deaths linked to an ice storm in the south grows to eight. The mind-numbing wind chills set to wallop New England could be the coldest in uh, coldest felt in decades. More than 15 million people are under wind chill warnings or advisories in the northeast. The alerts begin to go into effect early Friday, last through Saturday. It's like a generational storm. Texas storms leave hundreds of thousands without power. Hundreds of thousands of Texans remain without power as utility crews work to fix power lines. We're going to be talking more about power infrastructure here in a couple of minutes. More than 300,000 customers had no power on Thursday afternoon, with most of the outages concentrated in central and northern Texas communities, according to a tracking site, poweroutage.us. I got to remember that, right? Remember that uh, website. Hold on. Interesting website here. Wow. So there is right now 300,000 people, according to this website, almost in Texas, another 61,000, 62,000 in Arkansas, Mississippi, 17,693, 80 in Tennessee, 8185, and California, 4950. Last updated uh, about eight minutes ago, and this is uh, 8.23 p.m. Eastern time today. I got to remember this website. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, so basically the uh, power is from uh, the storms and the extreme cold. As we recall, Texas had a huge issue a couple of years back with this. Drought-weary California is entering February with deeper snowpack than it has seen in four decades, reflecting on a healthy boost in the state's supply of water, but also spurring concerns about dryness, flooding, and other potential hazards in the months ahead. Statewide Sierra snowpack was 205% of normal for the date on Wednesday. Even more promising, snowpack was 128% of its April 1st average, referring to the end-of-season date when snowpack in California is typically at its deepest. So hopefully they'll get some drought relief without the floods. There. Gas stoves are, become, are coming under fresh scrutiny as a second federal agency has now stepped into the political firestorm with a proposal for new regulations for the appliances. The Energy Department proposal published Wednesday sets a first of its kind limits on energy consumption for the stoves, drawing fear from the industry that the regulation could effectively end the use of of some products from the market. The proposal also sets energy usage standards for electric cooktops and new standards for both gas and electric ovens. The move comes just weeks after an official U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission floated the idea of a ban. Now, I want to point out something. A lot of states already have a ban on these 
uh, stoves, including the my current home state of People's Republic of New York. That's a little editorial comment on there. Uh, but no, seriously, the uh, gas stoves, I mean, it's been uh, documented, I think, for about three decades on negative health effects, especially with children. People say, yeah, but all these restaurants, blah, 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 and they're using them and they don't have a problem. Okay. We all know that the permissible exposure limits for carbon monoxide were created 50 years ago, probably, right? And we also know that those PELs and exposure limits are woefully out of date. We know that. If you're an industrial hygienist, you know that. So maybe this is a thing. Meaning it makes sense. My issue is this. They're pushing electric cars. All right? They're pushing electric cars. We know that they do not have the... We know that they do not have the electrical capacity with all these electric cars. The grid can't support it. We know that. Now we're going to mandate electric stoves. We already know that we don't have uh, enough. Hold on one second here. Hold on. I got an emergency in the background, of course. All right. My son wondering where I am. His mother is picking him up. Anyway, a little family business there, right? So we know that these exposure limits are woefully, woefully out of date here. So I might be warranted here. Again, as has been documented of uh, with low-level carbon monoxide exposures for children, they're at greater risk for uh, uh, asthma and some other respiratory ailments, uh, right? And I don't know. I, I think this whole thing, again, we're trying to cut through some of the confusion and manipulation here with valid information. Carbon monoxide is a thing. It is ex- right from uh, uh, exhaust from a lot of these stoves and everything else. That's why you cannot have a commercial stove in a house without adequate ventilation under most building codes. We know this. Carbon monoxide is one of the things we monitor in confined spaces. Also, as a rule of thumb, as an indoor air quality professional, usually the Residential levels for any carbon or uh, for any contaminant is 10% of the industrial levels because you're around it a lot longer, so they lower the levels. So that would be like 10, right? And then 
We use the two to one safety margin. Now it's five parts per million. So that would probably be where it goes uh, unless there's another exposure limit for this. So, you know, and then dealing with children, it goes even lower. So I think that this, they may be onto something that needs to be studied a little bit more. Or more importantly, how about we give everybody the information and have them with their own agency, free agency, go out and make their own decisions. Because I tell you what, also, government housing, also, no, all the government housing I've ever been in, military bases especially, all of them have gas stoves, it seems. Very few electric stoves. And electric stoves cause their own issues. So, for example, one of the reasons why restaurants don't uh, typically do not have electric stoves is an ovens is that it takes so freaking long to do, heat up. You have the gas stove, you turn it on, there it is. So we'll be watching this. Well, let's see if there's any other. Yes, we did not go over the financial news today. Oh, hit the wrong button. Gold is at 1924.50. Silver, this is the precious metals now. 23.73 an ounce. Platinum, 10.41. That's down. All of them are down except for palladium. Palladium closed at 16.94. And stocks, where are we? For the stocks, we have Dow Jones Industrial closed down 34053. S&P 500 was up 4179. NASDAQ up 200. Russell 2000 up 2000. Russell 2000 was at 2001. Wow, they're up. US Treasury notes up slightly 3 3.384%. Bitcoin fell slightly, 23579 uh, Crude oil is down, right? It's closed up, but it's down at 7605 So it's on the decline now for the last couple of days. So I don't know what that's a... Uh, What, what's impacting this stuff, and I don't even think it's legal for me to even con uh, uh, comment on that. I'm not a financial guy. North Korea warns of overwhelming nuclear force to counter the United States. Uh, North Korea said on Thursday it's prepared to counter U.S. military moves with the most overwhelming nuclear force as it warned that the expansion of the U.S. military exercises with rival South Korea is pushing tensions through an extreme red line. The statement by Pyongyang's foreign ministry came in response to comments by U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who said Tuesday in Seoul that the United States would increase its deployment of advanced military assets to the Korean Peninsula, including fighter jets and aircraft carriers, as it strengthens joint training and operational planning with South Korea. So it seems like a multi-vector uh, situation here. The European Union sets out green industry deal to take on U.S. and China. 
The European Commission has proposed allowing increased levels of state aid so that Europe can compete with the U.S. as a manufacturing hub for electric vehicles and other green products and reduce its dependence on China. European Commission Chief Ursula von der Okay, I gotta start over. European Commission Chief Ursula von der Leyen on Wednesday announced as a part of the plan a repurposing of existing EU funds, faster approval for green projects and drives to boost skills and to seal trade agreements to secure supplies of critical raw materials. This is partly a response to multi-billion dollar support programs of China and the U.S. More on indoor air quality issues here. And hold on. Chess players are always thinking a few moves ahead, but to win, their attention should also be on a different opponent, air quality. A new study by MIT researchers suggests that chess players make more mistakes in rooms with more air pollution. Wow. The research finds that cleaner air leads to clearer thinking. Uh, I think that this goes, uh, when I was doing a lot of indoor air quality work many years ago, there were a lot of studies on children in schools with uh, Wuvno air quality. And... Uh, basically the, uh, uh, no, unable to concentrate. Maybe I'm having an indoor air quality problem here. Unable to concentrate, uh, learning disabilities and everything all related to air quality. So the WHO, the World Health Organization, uh, here, uh, estimates that air pollution is responsible for over 4 million premature deaths every year. One concern... Pardon me. One concerning air pollutant is fine particulate matter. These are tiny particles that are 2.5 microns or smaller in diameter emitted to the air from burning materials such as combustion of cars, coal-fired power plants, forest fires, and open fires from indoor cooking, just to name a few. Excessive exposure to air pollution has a connection to the development of cancer and heart problems, according to the studies. In this latest report, scientists are adding poor chest playing to the list. By the way, I was in the chess club in high school. The, re- I, the research team came to their conclusions after studying the matches of 121 chess players in three seven-round tournaments held in Germany between 2017 and 2019. PM concentrations range from P- chess players with critical laking mistakes in polluted rooms. Really? Well, and this, what do they measure? They measure, uh, they measure carbon dioxide, thermal limits, meaning temperature. And they did not affect the matches. People were more likely to make suboptimal moves when there were higher amounts of airborne pollutants. Chess players showed a 2.1% higher chance of making a mistake, and the chances of it being a game-changing error increased by 10.8%. The study authors suggest air pollution affects a person's cognitive abilities, including their ability to uh, accurately judge and plan moves. Incredible. This is going to be one that we bookmark here and go back to because this is really interesting. And for our final 
news story, and then we're going to go into talking about energy issues again. It's one of our themes here, disaster preparation, but now we have a me and I know I don't want this to become the disaster show. No, some people already call me the disaster show, right? But uh, it's a battle in the safety war, right? As disaster preparation. And one of the main things is security of the power grid and resilience in the power grid. And no, chances are you're not going to be able to do anything about this stuff. But so if you can't do that, what are, are you going to do? How are you going to prepare? Birth rates are falling in the United States after the highs of the baby moon in mid 20th century, the lows of the baby bus in the 1970s. That's why there's not a lot of Gen Xers. Birth rates were relatively stable for nearly 50 years. But during the Great Recession, 2007-2009, birth rates declined sharply and they keep falling. In 2007, average birth rates were right around two children per woman. By 2021, levels have dropped more than 20%, closest to lowest in the century. The decline is because, as some suggest, young people aren't interested in having children. So there it was a letter uh, put out, a memo. Now, I read these stories, and I don't really plan them out. I just read them, and you're getting the... Uh, you're getting the uh, uh, a uh, you're getting this right raw raw data here, and there is a memo put out. Let me pull it up here. It was a. Uh, I'm not going to mention the organization, uh, but there was a uh, memo put out by a leader in uh, the United States of an organization, uh, and the organization is one you've all heard of. And here are some of the things that he proposed. This uh, name was uh, Jaffe, the Jaffe memo. How to reduce the population in the United States, right? And this has been verified, this whole memo, uh, by my sources. So here are some of the ideas that were set on the table. Fertility control agents in the water supply, chronic depression, uh, compulsory birth control, and discouragement of private home ownership. Hmm. Isn't that... Uh, the memo itself indicates that it was derived primarily from people such as uh, blah, 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 and I'm not going to mention their names. And uh, the name of the person who came up with it was David Jaffe, and he was the, uh, he was the uh, uh, person, no, uh, and it was conspiracy theories for years, uh, but he was the person who... Well, documented a lot of this stuff and it's and it was all in response to uh the 1967 paul ehrlich the population bomb i think it was the book which has been thoroughly debunked by a lot of people and but it's been thoroughly supported by a lot of people and it was this is basically 
what was set out there. And it seems that, that they were very successful with this and lowering the birth rate in the United States with a lot of stuff that they supported. So, again, uh, don't be manipulated. Be informed with this stuff. Check out the Jaffe memo. It's very interesting here. Okay, let's talk about energy issues, disaster preparation, and everything else. It's an ongoing theme for us here on Safety Wars. Disaster preparation. And we're only going to talk about it more as we go along. And so for disaster preparation, I always tell this to people in the couple of the groups I belong to on the internet. Just choose. You don't have to do everything at one time. What I know of is uh, some families that have tried to do one thing a year. They set their agenda on disasters, one thing a year. So they put up, well, this year we're going to have, we're going to get out of debt. This way we have some capacity financially to get through a disaster, financial disaster, loss of job, something like that. Someone else Another family, we're going to go and get life insurance, right? And we're going to make that a point in case there's a problem. Now we're, our family at least has some money on that. Uh, and pay off the house, that sort of thing, debts. Then you have individual, then you have some people, what's something else? We're going to get healthy this year. So if we're in a disaster or anything like that, we'll be able to respond to it a little bit healthier. We don't have to rely on medications as much, right? I'm not saying don't take medication, but some things are lifestyle type things. Then you have some folks, we're going to uh, have transportation, right? What kind of transportation are we going to have? Better car, better, no, maybe uh, get everybody on bicycles so we're able to respond. And no, maybe we're going to set up our own emergency action plan for our house. Are we going to get first aid CPR training? Little tiny bites of things. One of the big things is power. We're not talking political power, we're not talking anything like that. We're talking energy, electric. Costs a lot of money for a lot, a lot of families to get a whole home generator. They cost a lot of money. A lot of folks, just like we were talking with the Jaffe memo a minute ago, was to get people away from home ownership. It was one of the political agendas that they had and uh, that that group had, and I didn't mention the name of the group, that now we have, now you're in an apartment. What kind of energy... Uh, resilience will you have in there? The power goes out. Some people can have a portable battery backup that they can have for 500, they can buy between 500 and thousand dollars. They could charge off a regular uh, 110 uh, uh, outlet, right? A 110 outlet. And then they could have at least stuff for cell phones and maybe little tiny things for short-term power outages. Some of them have big battery banks that they could go on for a long time. I say it would probably be cheaper to get a house with some of them. So what are you going to do with, uh, you know, the biggest 
issue I've had with power outage was where we used to live in Spring Valley, New York, where there was a power outage, it seems, every weekend, literally, because they were up- constantly upgrading the power grid there uh, from years of neglect, and power got shut off. So what did we have? We had an electric generator. I'm sorry, we had a generator generate electricity. And that's what we had. Then we had Superstorm Sandy hit. Now we were relying on that electric generator for 11 days, I believe it was. 11 or 12 days. Now you have to plan out with a generator everything else. How's it going to run? Is it going to run off of propane or some type of off of the gas grid? Gas grid is usually pretty resilient. You have 48 hours to 72 hours of gas of enough pressure in that line, so I'm told to run a generator. But what do you do after that? Gasoline, now you have to worry about getting fuel because gasoline generators uh, typically will burn five, uh, five, anywhere from 5 to 15 or 20 gallons of fuel a day. You're going to store, and no, the government tells you to be prepared for a three-day emergency. You're going to, where are you going to store 60 gallons of fuel? That's a little bit of a, and what if you're in inclement weather, like in Texas? There are people have been out for three days, no heat, no nothing. Pipes are, what are you going to do? You have to consider what would happen if I didn't have electric. Let's go through the list. Your home heating doesn't work. Lights don't work. Pipes begin to freeze in inclement weather. On the opposite end, hot weather, now you have to deal with the heat. How are you going to manage the heat? Right? People sweat. That was one of them with uh, 2005 in Hurricane Katrina down in New Orleans. Now you have, no, it's left of bang and right of bang think, think, thinking. On left of bang, what are you going to do then versus the right of the bang? All of this goes into that. Now, okay, you don't have power. Grid is down. You also don't have water pressure either. So maybe the freezing pipes aren't going to be as big a, a problem. But now how are you going to flush your toilet if you don't have water? How are you going to do the sanitation? How about simple things? Before any major uh, dis- impending disaster, what do we do? We do laundry and we do wash dishes. How are you going to with the, uh, what else goes out? You don't have power. You don't have entertainment. You don't have those iPads, iPhones. You don't have computers. You don't have internet access. You don't have uh, you're now going to need a battery-operated radio. How about refrigeration with food? All of that goes into not having power and then some. Let's say that you have a family member on oxygen. And the oxygen generator doesn't have uh, power. What are you going to do then? All this stuff goes in there. So to review, you got to figure out and do an assessment. I break it down into a couple of different categories. The type one emergency, zero to 24 hours. Short term, that could be from anywhere from a, you know, you have a fire in the building to get out or a short term energy issue. 
And by the way, you think energy issues don't happen? We had 600 attacks on the power grid from 2014 to 2019, I think it was. So they happen. What a... Then the second type, 24 hours to roughly 72 hours, which is what the government tells you to be prepared for. Then you have type three, which is from that 72 or 96 hours to one month. A lot harder to plan for that. You better, that's more or less off the grid. And then once you get to an exceedance of 30 days, type four, now you're dealing with primitive living. So the question is this, what are you going to prepare for? That's how I break them down. Nobody else breaks them down that way. I'm always, you know, what, what are you going to do? Are you really prepared for 30, day, 30 days without power? Is that even likely? I don't know. Think about it. I'm going to take a final break here, and we will uh, be back. Listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's safety today. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. Okay, we are back here with Safety Wars. How many minutes do we have left here? Hold on, let me check. About two minutes. All right. Uh, so we had a little fun today. My cats, right, got in on the Groundhog Day thing, and they predicted uh, six more weeks of winter. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll see how this is. Yeah, we started this many years ago with our old cat, Scarlet, who I still miss. Yeah, I never thought I'd be a cat person, but I have a lot of fun with the cats and love the cats. Uh, and I'll probably post on one of my uh, security camera got checked out by a deer last night. You heard about the bear that took over 400 selfies? Well, I had a deer do that last night, so... Uh, pretty funny uh, footage on that. Uh, what else do we got going on? Sports. Uh, just to give you a uh, background, right? My uh, son and daughter are involved in sports. Spring is coming up. 
So we're going to try to pre-record some of these programs and have them out because a lot of the practices run overtime, things of that nature. I apologize for any type of, and I know it's not very professional, any of the interruptions that we have here uh, from time to time. Uh, we have a family situation where we have an elderly uh, family member living with us, and we have sometimes situations that arise with that. Uh, and now that's worthy of a show in itself on this. Uh, we're, uh, no, we're getting there. We're doing well. We're doing the best we can uh, with this. So uh, in summary tonight, if you're going to be involved in disaster stuff, pick one or two things a year that you can accomplish. Don't try to get prepared at one time and don't get try to get prepared when there's an impending disaster and get everything together. This is a process. It's a lifestyle of some sort, the prefer lifestyle. By the way, three to five million people are preppers, right? Which is 1% and up to 10% if by some definitions of our U.S. population are involved in disaster prepping. Uh, the other thing, all right, right? Don't, and we're going to be touching on this again and again and again. It's one of our other themes. Manipulation. Manipulation by people, by your work coworkers, by the news media to keep everybody on edge because people on edge are easily controlled. People on edge make bad decisions. So that's something you need to uh, remember. So we will be seeing you tomorrow for our Friday program. Uh, we'll figure out what's going on tomorrow. Uh, if you want to get a jump on the news for the weekend, tune in to us. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.